0: The sky's not blue. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the Cult House Podcast. I'm your host, the scholar of spite and the Saturday Night Delight, Roger Riddell. Joining me today, he is the vocalist and bassist for New Wave of Traditional Heavy Metalers Night Demon, the bassist for Doom and Power Metal Pioneer's Sirith Ungol, and the former vocalist of Horror Punk Cryptid's Hybrid Moments, Jarvis Leatherby. Ooh, How are you doing today, Jarvis?
0: I'm Jarvis Leatherby. I'm single and ready to mingle. No see, I don't have a tag. I like, uh, uh, I I didn't think of one, man. Um, wow, hybrid moments. Wow, you really brought that out of the depths. That's cool. Uh, that's perfect. <laughs> I like your uh, your uh, your EC comics kind of uh, vibe. The the uh, the uh, artwork that you have for the show is really cool. So.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah. um, When I first decided to do this, I just kind of threw that together. And I've always liked the aesthetic of the old like Tells from the Crypt and old horror comics.
0: That's my favorite, man.
1: Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you've got a new Night Demon album coming out, uh, Outsider, March 17th, right? Correct. And it's your uh, first concept album.
0: Yeah, we tried to do every album. We tried to make a concept album, and it just like fell by the wayside after like a song or two, you know. Um, but yeah, with this one, we had a lot of time, you know, during the pandemic, and we we're like, "Let's go for it, man. Let's do it." So, I mean, that's that that helped a lot. Pandemic was good for us, to be honest. I mean, if forced break, we we did like six hundred shows in the previous four years, and um, we were like, "All right, man, let's." Uh, Let's uh, get back to kind of who we are in a way, you know, so it was nice. I look back on it fondly, to be honest, like I, I miss a lot of things about it. I felt like I was a kid, like on summer break, you know, like a lot of responsibilities went out the window, a lot of things that I'm responsible for every day, you know, kind of, and even like, you know, the police or your doctor would blame everything on the pandemic. Oh, yeah, sorry. You know, your phone, you call your phone company and be like, hey, my bills all screwed up. Oh, man, pandemic you know like (laughs) anyway yeah yeah new record
1: yeah no I uh I have to agree about the pandemic like I know it wasn't you know a good thing for like everyone but uh I on my end I got rid of my commute uh, for my day job so uh
0: (laughs) like 10 years ago that I had for almost eight years where I would commute an hour each way and on Fridays, it'd be like an hour and a half each way. And so, yeah, it's soul sucking, man. I added up one time the amount—I don't remember what it is now. I have it written down somewhere, but I added up the amount of hours that I actually spent driving to that job for eight years, and it's I, like I lost a year of my life. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's cool because podcasts are popular now, so you can at least you can listen to something in the car, not like the same CD over and over again. I also had a seat cd player broke and like so i had a cd that was stuck in there it still worked but i had to listen to just that you know so
1: yeah <laughs> yeah uh, dude the last car that i had um it was for some reason it was made in 1999 but it still had a tape deck in it so i had to oh. have the whole thing where you run the like
0: the, yeah, the adapter g- thing
1: but you plug <laughs> it into a portable cd player or your phone and uh then the tape deck like the tape deck itself broke and so i couldn't even do that anymore
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's classic yeah we had uh, we had a tape deck in our tour van up until i guess the pandemic and then when we went up to a bus and retired the van and got rid of it it was kind of sad we 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 love tapes man like we 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 always release our stuff on cassette and um I put out a mixtape series monthly so like yeah it's I'm way into cassettes they're great they're like uh they're so unique you know like they're it's actually a mechanical thing you know it's like as a physical format it's like the most physical format it moves you know it has gears and like each tape sounds different from the other one you know because of of that so
1: you know when I was a kid like um I guess age three or four the first album that my dad like ever gave me to listen to was Aerosmith's Pump on like cassette Wow, like it was it was my favorite album when I was like you know four or whatever and uh like I just remember being obsessed as a kid with manually uh winding and unwinding the tape
0: (laughs) yeah oh yeah totally and then you get the pencil in there with the you know Yeah, yeah uh yeah that I had that I had that record on tape too man yeah I was like, I saw Janie's Got a Gun on MTV and I was like, I got to get that team. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible artwork, though.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) I always think of it as like maybe the last great Aerosmith album, though, before they just did nothing but power ballads. I think
0: Get a Grip was pretty cool, man. I don't know. I was like uh, in junior high when that came out and that was like, uh, I don't know. It was kind of cool. There was some, there was a good, there was a good rotation of that going on. But that's definitely the last, like, the last um, contender, you know? So, yeah, I got to – yeah, I'm yeah. with you there.
1: Yeah, no. Um, So uh, back to Outsider. Uh, I've had a chance to Talk listen Talk about Aerosmith. To- come on. <laughs> yeah, do <no>, I <laughs> – um, I mean, we might drift back to that later. You never know. Um, but yeah, I've had a chance to listen to Outsider and, uh, you know, I've I've had it on rotation uh, for the last like week or so. Uh, really? You know, when I, yeah, when I'm like going to the gym or uh, just oh. doing things around the house. I really liked that from the beginning of it, it gave me uh, kind of a, you know, classic Judas Priest or like Iron Maiden vibe like Iron Maiden before they started making every song like eight minutes long like *Peace (laughs) of Mind*, uh number of the beast you know era it had like that kind of like upbeat vibe and it's um and this is kind of like a dirty word for heavy metal but like it's fun you know
0: that's not bad you know that's not bad um yeah thanks i mean obviously those two bands you mentioned are like some of our biggest influences you know but uh uh yeah i always kind of if you took like iron maiden thin lizzy black sabbath the scorpions and like metallica and added that all together and priest you know i mean that's kind of like those are our biggest influence that's basically our sound you know um with a little bit of us in there (laughs) so uh, yeah, no, I'm stoked. I appreciate that. You know, for a concept album, it's like, we still kept it short. I mean, Night Demon never had long songs. Two of our longest songs ever are on this record, but they, those songs have crazy journeys in them. They really take you somewhere and that's why they needed to be that length. There's not a lot of repetition in them as songs like you mentioned, you know, you might my least favorite thing is going to see some of my favorite classic bands and watching them in a stadium play for two hours. And I hear like 12 or 13 songs because their discography is so big, you know? So with us, you know, when we do a headlining show, well, we did, we did a, we did a live album in 2018. It's a 90 minute show. And we, we put the whole set list on there. There's 23 songs, you know? So it's like, we, we always wanted to be a band like that was able to play a lot, a lot of songs live, you know, get in and get out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Cause I mean, like if you're going to do songs that are longer than four or five minutes, you got to have a lot of variety to like the song structure too. Um, Cause like, you know, one of the bands you mentioned uh, Metallica, one of the things that has always stuck out to me about their discography is that, when you get to uh, Saint Anger, you know, arguably everyone's least favorite Metallica album. The oh, thing yeah. that I've always hated the most about that album is that every song on it is unnecessarily like six plus minutes long, and yeah. they like got rid of the solos but replaced it with repeating the first verse over and over again on every song.
0: Yeah, it's kind of strange too, because when you watch the documentary, you know, some kind of monster movie, like there's that argument where it's like they're telling Kirk like not to play any solos because that sounds that's kind of dated. But really, if you listen to that album 20 years now after its release, that album is totally dated. Like it's totally, it's totally stuck in that year of trends, you know? And I mean, look, I hate criticizing Metallica. They're an easy target, you know? Yeah. But, they're just such, they're so important, you know, that I think that that's kind of why that happens. But I also kind of feel for them. Like they, they're constantly judged on things that they did when they were 20 years old. Like if I, if that happened to me, if I had to go out and play songs that are when I was 20 every night. Like, dude, nobody would come see me, you know, like I, um, they're an easy target and I uh, it's, I can't, I have a ton of respect for that, Matt, you know, I really do, but I'm not disagreeing with you.
1: I yeah, know I do too. Like I've got their, uh one of the original like record store promo posters for the black album hanging back there. So uh, they're, they're one of my all-time favorites.
0: Right huh? next to Rasputin. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, um I, think that my probably most controversial metallica take is that my favorite album of theirs is load like that's i feel like that really? is metallica being the band that uh that james and lars wanted to be to begin with because they wow. wanted to, they always wanted to be motorhead and like load is metallica being motorhead
0: that is such an interesting take you know what's funny is i have a very interesting story about that album um i i had started i got my driver's license the the year the winter that they were record they were recording that record and that summer i have what i was up speaking of summer break that's what is weird synchronicity i was out of school and i i had this calendar that i made like it was this big calendar on the wall and it said countdown to Sausalito. That's where they were recording the album at this studio called the plant. And I had a picture of Metallica on it and I had every day I like crossed off the days. Like I had planned to drive out there and just camp out in the parking lot of that place. I never got through the gate, but I went and did that. And I, I, for for quite a while and I never I never did see the guys and I it turns out I think that they were by the time I was down there they were on a break from recording and they were kind of done with a lot of that the tracking but I was super dedicated you know and I ended up going to 22 shows on that tour and I was 16 years old and I always funny another synchronicity the Motorhead um comparison Lars always said like he followed motorhead on tour and he was like in the, you know, driving in the rear view mirror of the, of the tour bus. Right. And so I did the same thing kind of on, on that run, you know, I did the same thing. So hang on a sec. Hey, I'm doing an interview. Sorry. Tim Baker from Sirith Ungle just walked in the door. So um yeah, sorry. I'm doing a podcast here. So anyway, uh, hang on.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks.
0: So um that was kind of, uh, sorry, legends walking in the door and I'm like, (laughs) you're nothing. Uh, but, uh, um, uh, you know, I was that kid. I was in the rear view of the Metallica tour bus, you know, and, uh, my aunt actually, she was living in New Jersey at the time I'm from California. She flew me out there for my 16th birthday and got me floor seats and a limousine. It was insane. I was like, it was such a cool thing for her to do, you know. Um, but it was great. And I I I mean, at that point in my life, like I knew what I wanted to do. It was because of them and it was because of that tour. So I'm really glad that you told that story. That's an unpopular opinion, but I gotta I was right there for it. I was there, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm always like uh I love the first four albums that they did, but like load just always kind of feels like it's them being what they wanted to be. Cause like especially For as much shit as Lars gets, uh, you know, with people claiming that he's not a good drummer or whatever, he's just like a simple meat and potatoes rock drummer. And that's all he ever wanted to be. He didn't want to do like all the crazy time signature stuff all the time.
0: But his stuff is crazy. Like nobody can play like him. Like the drum fills that he comes up with. Like, I mean, it's definitely he's got his own style. Who can say that? All these uh, extreme metal drummers, I mean, their physicality is insane. But, like, can you really pick them out from one another? I can't, you know? So uh, he's got his own style and his own thing. And he's an individual and he's unique. Um, um, One thing I'll say about that album and the album after it is I was thinking about this a couple months ago. And it would have been great if they would have taken, I actually kind of made an album that were like the best of those two records. And they all included the singles too, you know? Um, But it would have been cool if they would have made if, cause they were kind of recorded at the same time, you know? So it'd yeah. be cool if they would have kind of put it really honed it down to one album. Right. And just did that. And put kind of the best of on there, and not the most adventurous songs either, right? Like "Left Off," you know, "Mama Said," and "Hero of the Day." Well, actually, I would probably would have put that on there because that was one of the singles. But and they later, dude. Yeah. Sorry, I'll I'll hit you up later. Yeah, we'll go see Angel. Yeah. We're playing you. I know. We'll go see. We'll All go there. see him. All right, later. Sorry, I had to. the the, tim baker has left the building um but i (laughs) they would have had had done that right and then and then like now like today release the album of all the songs that didn't make it like fully produced like and we and now we can hear that and they could go well you thought we kind of pushed out then like listen to what what this is and I think people would have appreciated it so much more now and go holy crap because those songs for as non metal as they are they're extremely well written and well produced and well performed I mean they really are you know but I mean if you would have had one album that just had had Outlaw Torn and Fixer on it and The Memory Remains you know and Fuel and and, you know uh, Until sleeps king nothing you know i mean i uh, bleeding me i think it uh, i don't know i don't know i don't know um whatever yeah it's funny it's fun sometimes to live in the in the in the hypothetical and like if you can close your eyes and dream it it's kind of like it did happen
1: you know it's funny that you say that because they are already like playing the songs from reload on that load tour that you were talking about like they had they were sneaking in like things like fuel yeah. like the early versions of it
0: uh-huh. they were playing devil's dance on the first leg of the load tour they were coming out when they did this thing on that tour where the house lights would stay on and they kind of surprised the audience right and they would come out and start messing around with memory remains you know so yeah i if it, it, it's all there you know
1: yeah yeah. So on uh, on Outsider, how did you arrive at the concept for the? Album?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Go. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know we're
1: just uh we'll, we'll jump back and forth between just okay. like okay. these tangents and like the the stuff that we're actually supposed to be talking about. <laughs> um. So. On uh, Outsider, how did you come up with the concept for the album? Because I know that there's there's bits and pieces of it that I picked up just from listening to the album itself and from seeing the artwork, um, but like the narrative itself, I know that there's a bit of like alternate realities and like other dimensions and like otherworldly portals and things. And I know that you're like a big paranormal guy. So, what kind of things all came together to? Uh, create the story that ties the album together.
0: Right. So with Night Demon, I mean, going back to our origins, it, all, a lot of our artwork and our album covers, and so kind of the stories we write, it's kind of like a like a Lovecraft thing, where like we have fictitious stories in our music that are based on actual like physical locations in our 3D world. We just kind of rename them and have our own thing about it, right? So like you can see um our uh let's see i'm just trying to do this backwards our last album cover here uh darkness remains has the uh like can you see that building i yeah. don't i can't so because there might be a glare that's like ventura city hall like the place that we're that the city that we're from and so like we have a whole lore about that you know And it's called City Hell, like on our record, you know, so like, it's kind of the same thing with this. What happened was, I was living in Ireland. And my girlfriend had taken me to this abandoned church that had a graveyard around it. And it was like, overlooking the sea. And there was this desolate road leading up to it. And I was just like, this is incredible. Um, And we just kept revisiting it. And I, I kind of thought, like, what would happen if somebody had lived here? You know, what would that what would that be like, you know? I've and so I what I did is I wrote a, sc- a, a screenplay basically, and I was like, I want to make a film here, you know. I've written a couple scripts before, and um, that was kind of like the the kicking off point for that, you know. Um, from that point, adapting uh, music to it that was a new challenge, but it was one that proved to be l- extremely gratifying in the end like i said we had time you know but there was like i've done a lot of short story writing and and uh script writing and and there's there was a lot of times where i was looking at a blank page for eight hours a day just like oh fuck, you know but um i stuck with it and the story's pretty pretty solid so from that that comes there so when you see the artwork it's adapted from actual photos from the place and we have a video a trailer video out for the first track prelude you can check out on youtube and it's that actual it's filming of the actual location so it's cool because our fans sometimes come to these places and they're like whoa that's the place you know they can actually visit it and kind of just go whoa okay that's the story of this
1: you know i've always been a big fan of concept albums but like it's always um it's sometimes a little bit hard to like piece everything together. And I think that it's become even more difficult in like the, this current like age of music where everything's gone more digital and like,
0: yeah, not as much
1: emphasis put on the album artwork or the liner notes or things like that. So I've always kind of missed that. Like I'm still like out here buying CDs, you know?
0: Well, I'll tell you what we did. Okay. So like, you know, Night Team has been around for a decade, but I've been in the music business my whole life. I manage a lot of bands. I've put on festivals. I have a label. I'm very, I'm very in touch with like the marketing side of things and the accessibility of things. Right. So I think that's also another form of creativity. And so what we've done with this album is I took the script and condensed it into a track by track synopsis of what happens throughout this album. If you buy any of the physical versions, whether that's vinyl cassette or CD that is written in the album, you don't have to speculate, you don't have to go on some online forum and argue with somebody about what it's about. Um, we've, I've also recorded an audio narration of it with instrumental tracks of the album behind it that will be premiering on our podcast. Um, this coming Friday and we will probably release a vinyl version of that next year. So for the hardcore fan, the information is there. Now, what I don't like about most concept albums is there's too literal, So they're boring. There's two, there's two different mediums here. There's like story writing and songwriting. And it, when you walk somebody through a song, literally, Oh, now he went to the store and then he saw a guy, you know, like it's just not good songwriting. So we wrote the lyrics metaphorically to the story. And actually at one point I didn't listen to the album in like six months. And I decided to take, have another spin and I was listening to it and I completely forgot about the storyline. Like there was something that was going on in my life. That was somewhat traumatic and like, for some reason, every word in this album I felt was about this new thing. So that's what I'm most proud of. like the the songs can stand on their own. You don't jump into track five and think that you missed something, you know so yeah. we've excuse me, we've put it all out there, and it's in the most accessible way. If people want to get into the storyline, they can. If they don't give a shit, that's fine. It's still going to it's still gonna relate to them in some way.
1: Yeah, see, I like that too, where it's like, um, that's kind of the sign of of success with the concept album is that you can follow the narrative if you want to, but everything can stand on its own. And I guess maybe like off the top of my head right now, the best example that I have of that is uh, Iron Maiden's Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Like you don't have to understand that this whole album follows this whole idea of like Irish folklore, that the seventh son in a line of seven sons is going to have some kind of mystical powers, right. but you know, there's a like, thing, a, yeah.
0: But I will say this, that is not a through and through concept record. There's no storyline and they're they've admitted that there's a few tracks that have nothing to do with it. It it's like, you know, our last album, Darkness Remains, there's a trilogy of songs that deals with the concept. The album before Curse of the Damn, there's two songs. We tried, you know. I mean, we even have a comic book for Curse of the Damn that kind of goes along with that story, but I mean, th- the song Heavy Metal Heat on there has nothing to do with the axe murder, you know, so, yeah. like, you know, that's I'm telling you, it's tough to do it, and I will, I'm proud to say that we have we have done this whether people like it or not like it it is it is you know whether they enjoy it or not is is that's up to to the listener but we we did it from start to finish you know i'm really proud to say that it's hard man it was so frustrating i went to a depression for the greater part of a year about this you know you got to stick with it
1: (laughs) yeah no i I get that too because it's like it's hard enough to just like write a good song on its own or to write a good story on its own but you're like trying to meld two mediums with a concept album you know
0: yeah and then you have to piece the music in there and go okay it's this something happens in the story here and i need to make the music go there and we're not classical composers we're not you know we don't have the background of writing for film or television so like it's not like we can just go okay we have the knowledge you know in music theory that you know oh that um that whatever's happening there conveys this emotion which is that scale and this chord structure you know like we don't have that we kind of just got to go oh that's it no it's not you know so
1: (laughs) yeah you know to your point too about the um the bands that will do concept albums and they'll have someone kind of explaining things along the way that always kind of takes things uh, takes me out of things for a bit too. Uh, like I can remember the uh, cradle of filth album, Godspeed on the devil's thunder. They have uh, Doug Bradley uh, who played pinhead, like doing the narration as uh, Gilles de derai. Cause that whole album was uh, supposed to be about like the story of him as the, I guess, allegedly the first serial killer in history uh, in Paris, but um, it's it's always kind of weird. Like you're just like, I just want to listen to this song. Why is this, why is Pinhead narrating this to me right yeah. now?
0: Well, I'll say this, since this was written as a screenplay, our album plays out in a way more cinematic way. I mean, even with the music, the first track is like your inciting incident. And then the next track is like the title theme, the opening credits, you know, then you get into the story. But, um, much like film, things are seen and not explained. Literally, literally, yeah, you know, they're not explained; they're seen, and that's the whole art of filmmaking. With music, they need to be heard and not explained, you know. So that's the that's the idea behind it.
1: Yeah. And, uh, for the next couple of months, y'all are going to be on tour with uh, Satan and Haunt, and I understand that's. Um a tour that you had in the works before the pandemic happened?
0: Yeah, I was supposed to kick off um, the beginning of April of 2020. So right when things shut down. Yeah. Um, We just canceled it. Like I wasn't, we knew this thing was going to drag out. We knew it was going to be no fucking two weeks. So like um, I just canceled it and decided it got rebooked a few times, but we never reannounced it. Because all these tours that kept getting postponed three or four times, you kind of felt like it, you'd already gone to it, even though you never did, you know. So we just kind of revamped the whole thing and rebooked it and decided to announce when we knew it was going to be able to happen, you know. So I'm i am happy about that and I'm happy that it's actually it's, uh, moving forward now.
1: You know, I was impressed that there were as many tours as there were like early on when that started again uh, to pick back up that as many tours uh, as there were managed to kind of like reach their their concluding point instead of getting derailed like midway through. And I know that happened to some extent with some bands, but um, it seemed like there were there were a lot of tours that were going, you know, seemingly smoothly from the outside but i know that like inside there were probably a few scares here and there with you know covid things and whatnot
0: yeah definitely you know we had seen that happen a lot but we were we were playing one-offs back in 2021 and we did like I i think we did almost 100 shows last year so um things are definitely back to i guess people use like to use the word normal but this world is not normal <laughs> you know so <laughs> uh, things are just people are back there playing again you know and everybody that retired is not retired anymore so you know <laughs> a lot of a lot of competition out there There like it seems like every band's on the road you know so everybody that comes to see us i really appreciate that they do that you know
1: yeah um, do you have any venues that you uh, that you tend to play a lot on tour that you're excited to get back to, like any time that you get to tour again?
0: Not really. There's <laughs> just so there's so many of them. You know, like I I hate to pick just one. It sucks when things when one, certain ones you like close, but it you know that happens all the time, whether it's a pandemic or not. You know, like one of our favorite venues, uh, the Riot Room in Kansas City. Uh, had a uh, <laughs> this is funny because I thought somebody had told me that it there they, they that they had a fire, so I thought that it burned down. And then somebody sent me a picture of it a fire truck actually crashed into the building and like demolished it. So, <laughs> like, uh, so, uh, there's that, you know. I mean, really, it's just the people, you know. I mean, that's really what we buy we just like seeing the people you know we have so many friends in so many places and like promoters that we love playing for and sometimes they work at different venues you know but yeah you know things change um uh, i think we're just excited to just see everybody you know where are you
1: where are you based i'm in the- uh chicago
0: yeah oh, so cool. I know y'all yeah.
1: are playing reggie's in like a few weeks and that's uh that's one of my favorite venues in this city
0: yeah reggie's is great i kind of wish it was like more centrally located you know but yeah. the chess just- is not far from there and I always like going there. Um the chess records uh uh museum there uh but uh I love Reggie's and Shane and all those guys there and I mean we've been we've been playing there since we started you know I mean I, I there's few there's there's few other venues that we've played in Chicago but we always we always do enjoy going getting back there you know it's a good vibe for sure it's good it's good for the music that we play that's for sure
1: yeah no there's uh there's a ton of great venues in the city for uh for metal and rock too like it's uh it's almost like the city is is kind of like spoiled for for good venues
0: yeah i mean it's it is a big city you know i mean la is yeah. like that la always stuff's always changing around you know but there's there's uh some of them stick around for a lot. I mean, we're playing the whiskey go, go, on this tour, you know? So it's like that, that obviously isn't going anywhere yet. We hope not, you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, no, we've done the Metro and, um, we did a bigger show at the, uh, what was it? The Arlington? No, I can't remember. Um, I remember fireside bowl from back in the day. Um, We've done the Livewire Lounge. We've done Cobra Lounge. I mean, yeah, we've, we've been all over Chicago through the years, you know? So, but Reggie's is a great home for us. I really, and I love that on the stage there's like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like uh manhole cover, you know, like right in the middle, you know? Yeah. So, not many, <laughs> not many picks down that thing, you know? <laughs> but, but nobody ever gave me any pizza out of it. There was never any, that's like a slice of pizza that came up out of it. Yeah. You know?
1: so, <laughs> That'd be a good gimmick for uh for someone to figure out how to do.
0: We we want to make a ninja turtle jump out of there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or
1: there was uh, like <laughs> you remember the back in the 80s when uh when Ninja Turtles first blew up, there was a Ninja Turtles concert tour and there was like a home video of it. And it's like I, watching it now, it's just like a weird acid trip.
0: Wow, I don't remember that at all. I remember like going to Pizza Hut. And there'd be like all this turtles like shit going on, and like I remember the films, I remember the cartoon, I remember the action figures, I remember Vanilla Ice in the second one it was a big deal. Um, yeah, uh, I just read today that like I guess Seth Rogen has like revamped it, and there's a new film coming out, um, and I'm interested because that might be cool.
1: Yeah, not yeah I think they put out the trailer a day or two ago too.
0: Yeah, did you check it out? Yeah. Is it cool? Does it look all right?
1: Yeah, it looks pretty good. It's um, it's animated, and I like the art style. Uh, I know a lot of people were. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of people that were complaining that they made April O'Neil black, but like I think she's black in the original comic, so I don't understand why people are pissed off about that.
0: I think people just are pissed off because they want to be pissed off, and yeah. they think everything, <laughs> they think everything is some form of affirmative action, you know that. You know, but I mean, we live in a multicultural world, and its interracial relationships are very much a reality these days. You know, and yeah. it's not, it's not. Like we've evolved as a, hopefully, you know, but uh, yeah, whatever, man.
1: You know, At I, least I've, I've, I've i kind of reached this point too with um. So I'm like a big Marvel comics guy, and oh. uh. With a lot of, like, the movies and shows and stuff. So, like, last year, um, like, I've enjoyed all of it. But I also, I can watch something like Miss Marvel or She-Hulk and be like, I enjoy this. But at the same time, I realize that I'm not the target audience. And I don't have to be the target audience for everything, you know?
0: Really good attitude to take, man. You know? Because I checked out. Like, I don't watch any of that stuff now. When they canceled the Daredevil series on Netflix, which I thought was great. I loved it Um, when the Disney takeover happened, you know um, the same with star Wars. I was such a star Wars kid and now I can't even keep up and I'm just like, whatever, you know, a lot of friends are telling me though. Oh man, it's so good. Um, But yeah, I just, it's just not for me anymore, you know, and especially yeah. I'm such a big film buff and just the amount of money that they're spending on these, on these movies. I wish they would spend more on the writing. Yeah. God, with that, with $250 million and no location shooting, it's all green screen. Like hire some good writers, you know, they, they're, they're out there, you know, like let's get some real, some real storyline happening here.
1: You know, Um, I don't know. i I think part of the big challenge on a lot of that marvel stuff now is that like they have to write the individual films now to fit into an overarching like plot that goes across dozens of movies and so that's yeah i
0: i just like i don't like the whole avengers or uh super friends or what was the dc justice league you know that whole idea i think does not need does not have anything to do with individual stories like you don't need that you never had that in the comics it was like spin-offs happened in their own way they, they, they don't the stories don't need to add up there's so much action happening and there's so many different main characters in a cast that's why super groups suck yeah you know it's just there's no chemistry there it's yeah. just a big it's just a big circle jerk you know and and there's a reason there is a there is a, pl- a a place for that but you don't need to you don't need to have all of that stuff tie in like it's like it it'd be cooler if they they can all just meet each other instead of like oh they're always in they've always been involved with this this makes no sense you know so um I don't know. That's my one, that's my one critique on that. They're really banking on all those people coming together. And while I think it's cool, the individual stuff is way more, you can get way more in depth with it. You know, you can really focus on give one or two characters a lot more than a bunch of characters, a lot less.
1: Yeah. You know, that's uh, that's kind of my big hang up with some of it too is that like, So I'm like a big Spider-Man guy. And when Marvel Studios finally got to introduce Spider-Man into that whole like Marvel Cinematic Universe thing, I felt like the one thing that held back the three movies that they did with that is that he had to fit into this larger universe. And it came at the expense of them being able to really focus more on the fact that like that character has a pretty like rich cast of um, like supporting characters right right a lot of human characters (laughs) yeah but like i loved the
0: uh the sam raimi films i thought those were great and you know that was before that was before this whole thing happened you know uh i thought they were really cool you know even the especially the first one you know yeah, and just how it ended I thought was great, you know. Like I, I really left the cinema with a really good feeling when I saw that, you know, because I wasn't that big into Spider-Man. To me, he wasn't like as dark as I liked. I was more of a Punisher, Ghost Rider kind of guy, you know. And then when I saw that, I was like, "Hey, this is actually Spider-Man is actually pretty cool," you know. Like, yeah. like I, it had a somber kind of ending at that funeral, and then it kind of did that thing where it turned into a comic, and you're like, you. And remember hey this is a comic book you know uh i thought it was cool
1: yeah because like that one they were doing things that you hadn't really seen before yet on the big screen you know and um i know like you mentioned the netflix daredevil but uh did you see that they're reviving that in a way
0: i are but you can never revive anything it doesn't yeah. matter you can't do it uh i've some of my favorite shows they just revived a show called party down that i love that only had two seasons and like it's all the reviews i'm hearing are just like uh or like when wet hot american summer reunited and did a series i mean that was one of my favorite films ever and it just doesn't have it when arrested development came back you know it's just like you have to be there when it's going down man Um, and people evolve people change humor changes over the years you can go back to it if you were there when it happened and 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 be that person again but you're never going to pick it up how it was you know it's just totally different it's it's the the i'm not going to say that actors are overrated they're not but i think the people behind the scenes like the writers producers directors dps they're underrated and they don't get enough credit and it takes a certain chemistry just like a band you have to have the right crew and the right actors and you have to be you have to be in that moment and you have to create momentum and that most great TV shows have momentum when they're canceled for whatever dumb business reason. And it's just, it's hard to get that back, man. So I'm going to watch it and I, I don't watch much anymore, but I'm going to watch it and I'm going to hope for the best, but I mean, they had a dude, they had a good thing going. It was, it was great. I thought, it was the best thing that Marvel's done in a really long time, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. It kept me
0: interested. It kept me going, you know?
1: Yeah, no, it's big shoes to fill. Cause I mean, that series had two of my favorite, like continuous single-shot fight scenes that I've ever seen in anything. There's like the hallway fight scene from the first season, and then the third season, they had the uh the fight scene that was in the gel.
0: Was that with Elektra?
1: It was when um it was Matt Murdock in the jail. And I remember the Kingpin was in there, man. I haven't seen that season in like several yeah. years now, but I just remember it was, it was like a 10 or a 12 minute, like continuous shot of him, like fighting I, from the jail yes. back to the outside. That's
0: incredible. I feel like it just like that series just got erased. I'm glad we're we're shedding some light on it. You know? Like, yeah. I hope, I don't know if Disney has the rights to that now. Oh yeah.
1: It's all on Disney plus now.
0: Oh, is it? Is it? Yeah. So, okay. Okay. That's
1: cool. Yeah, but yeah, to your point, you can never uh, you can never recapture the magic when you revive a show, and you can never fit Vince Neil back in a shout at the devil outfit again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you got to get him on this show, man.
1: <laughs> oh, dude, I would love to because uh, I actually I have a soft spot for Motley Crue, but like seeing them now every time that they do a reunion tour. Um, I'm just always a little bit sad because you can never, you can never capture, you know, that that magic from before, uh before they like split up the first time and like went down the grunge road for a little bit and then reunited and tried to make an industrial album. <laughs>
0: someone, told, someone told me today that they're gonna go until 2031
1: is their plan. Yeah, so. Um all right. Yeah. I that's mean cool. uh they've already had to replace Mick though and he was kind of their uh he was like the unsung hero of that band.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm really surprised that he lasted as long as he did, you know. I credit to him for that, you know. I mean it was like I mean really, you know. Yeah, like, that's a pretty pretty amazing, you know.
1: So, yeah, I mean, I, I saw them in two thousand five when I was like eighteen, and uh, it was it always kind of like struck me that he couldn't move from the same spot on the stage because of his like joint condition, um, right? And he just he always looked uncomfortable, but he was also always still playing at like a high level. So I oh. do have to commend him for that.
0: Yeah, definitely, his hand still worked, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, they just had
0: to they just had to prop him up, you know.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the longer that they went on, the more he was just starting to look like a skeleton man.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: such a bummer.
0: But, hey, he went out on top playing stadiums. And him, I'm sure he's still getting the check, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they uh, they probably have, like, the best guitarist that they could have to play that kind of music now because they got uh John 5, uh who was playing for, like, Rob Zombie for the last, you know, however long. I think it's right. been, like, almost 20 years
0: right yeah he was in manson's band too i think yeah yeah
1: and then he did uh two with rob halford
0: Oh, right, that's right that's right
1: yeah i think it was like back in halford's uh, phoenix days and back around like the i guess the early 90s when phoenix still despite everything else that was going on at the time phoenix still had kind of a thriving metal scene going on
0: it used to that scene was thriving up until like the mid to the like probably till about 2005, I used to go to concerts. I used to go to metal concerts in Phoenix instead of LA because they were so much crazier, you know, like, I like if Iron Maiden came to town, I'd go see it in Phoenix, you know, like back then you could go to guitar center and they have all the crazy 80s style guitars. Like when they weren't, they're cool again now, but they weren't then. And like, yeah, they had it going on. Now it's a bit, it's a bit rough, you know,
1: but it'll,
0: Hey, everything's cyclical right
1: <laughs> you know like i never knew about that uh that phoenix scene until i guess about a year ago when i read uh howford's autobiography and he was talking about how he had like settled down there for you know several years and part of it was he's because still they still had that oh is he
0: yeah he's still there yeah
1: you know he's got like a crazy story
0: oh yeah Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's writing some more books, so I'm excited to read the the ones that he's got coming out, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, just reading that first book and like uh kind of like getting that glimpse into like his mindset during that time and just him kind of feeling like an outsider in the scene that he felt like he belonged the most in. Uh it's just kind of like a mind fuck when you're like reading it, you know. That's why the album's
0: called Outsider, because we're all yeah. outside. Yeah. Like, some way
1: right yeah yeah um so uh i know that you've also uh recorded a new album with uh syrah thungle
0: yeah that'll be coming out later this year and so we'll announce more stuff about that when the time comes yeah
1: yeah so uh i'm guessing from uh from the band name night demon that uh it was probably inspired by uh sleep paralysis and like sleep uh sleep demons right
0: you're the only one who's ever guessed that in probably a thousand interviews. So uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, it's funny. It's my jacket here. Um, I, I've suffered from sleep paralysis for most of my life. It sucks. It's gotten a lot better throughout the years. Um, sometimes when I'm like extremely sleep deprived, it definitely comes back in. Um, but uh. Yeah, it's funny because here's the uh, all these synchronicities happen in, in our career. It's really weird. The band was called Night Demon with a K. Like a knight in shining armor. Okay. And then I thought, no oh, man, we need to have the same amount of letters in each name for like design schemes. It's got to be symmetrical. So we dropped the K and it was like night like, like nighttime and i thought we're like this name has to be taken you know and so i did a deep dive on the internet It's like in 2011 and it just wasn't taken there was a there used to be a website called ubl.com as the, the ultimate ban list and um It wasn't on there and i couldn't find anybody that had the name but what i did stumble upon was that was the name coined for like the dark shadowy demon that comes into your room at night like when you're having an episode of sleep paralysis i had never known that and it was something that i suffered from from for a long time and but i never did any research on it i was just like it's a thing that happens to me you know yeah um it wasn't i didn't think there was any way it was going to get fixed you know (laughs) like like on the internet, especially. So it was a crazy synchronicity that I go, Oh my God, this is insane. So yeah, we have to have the name, but I'll I'll, I'll, hang on one sec. I want to show you something. Hold on. Okay. Okay. So there's a patch here that I have on my jacket. Um, that I found a couple of years ago at a great horror store out here in California called dark delicacies. They do a lot of great in-store signings and they're an amazing store. Um, but so I, it says sleep paralysis. And I thought it was just super cool. Um, but what I, what was really a synchronicity for us is like, um, so we have a mascot, his name is Rocky and he's like a skeleton figure. And so there's a skeleton here on the patch yeah. and above him, above him is this kind of like, is this, this shadowy figure with these red eyes. You see that? Yeah. And so we have two mascots, Rocky and Eugene. So... Here is what, if I turn my camera around, here's what Rocky looks like. Can you see that? Yeah. Right? That's what Rocky looks like. And here's what Eugene looks like. Sorry if there's a glare. Oh, shit. I uh, shouldn't stand on a chair that spins with wheels. Um, <laughs> Robert Sleatherby dies on the podcast. Um, so he looks like that. It looks exactly like the guy on the patch.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: So both of our mascots are on this sleep paralysis like generic patch that somebody just made. <laughs> so I was like, man, like <laughs> I kind of want to just almost take take that design for a shirt or something. But anyway, Sorry, I bet you've never had many people on your show just walk around their place and grab shit and fall off chairs. But you know, that's just uh, no, cool. It's about all
1: good. Me. You know, yeah. it's uh there's a first time for everything. But uh <laughs> the uh the reason why um why it asked that is because the first time that I heard the band name, like sleep paralysis was the first thing that popped in my head because it's also something like I've had off and on over the years. Really? We're like, yeah, so like the craziest instance of it that I've ever had was um probably like twenty fourteen. Uh, so, okay. I had like a good stretch of like not having it happen from 2014 until maybe a few months ago when I had the flu. But in 2014, uh-huh. I woke up in the middle of the night one night, couldn't move at all, felt like someone was sitting on my chest and like punching me in the face. And it felt real. And like I could hear just like this like crazy laughter or whatever and like screaming. And then like I couldn't figure out what was going on or like if it was actually happening or not. And then all of a sudden, like whatever it was just like floated up into the ceiling and was gone and i could like move again because like i'd like fully woken up so you were awake
0: again okay yeah interesting that's really interesting
1: huh because it's like Uh, basically like your eyes your eyes are awake and like you know the rest of your body isn't so it puts you in like this weird semi like dreaming hallucinogenic state from what i understand
0: yeah i mean i've had it that way and i've had it before where a lot where my eyes are actually closed you know yeah one thing one thing that i've learned that helps me a lot from well prevents it more often is like i i try and never lay down in like a restricted way like on where my arms behind my back or i have a jacket on or i'm wrapped up too tightly in blankets or things like that because when you that's when you get into an episode like that You really have to try and control your brain and tell yourself not to fall asleep and to move a piece of your body, a part of your body to jolt you out of it. And if you can't move or you're in a claustrophobic like position, then you're screwed, man. You're in for the, you're in for a long ass ride. Yeah. You know? And so I try and be a lot better about that, you know, which is hard sometimes when you're in a tour bus and you're in the bunk, you know, and it's like, or I'll have episodes where like, I sleep in the pitch in a pitch black dark room and I have to have some form of light. When I don't, it's crazy. Sometimes I wake up and I don't know where I am, even though I'm in my place. And I'm just like, you know, I mean, bulldozing everything, you know, it creates like a panic. And that's the worst thing that can happen to you in a situation like that. But especially in the sleep paralysis, uh, it's it's all it is is a panic. I mean, that's all you're really doing, you know, and sometimes you really just need to concentrate and slow down a bit. But, yeah, I always have those moments where I'm like, all right, you just got to move your arm or the worst is when somebody is next to me because I'm always screaming out at them and they can't hear me. That's terrifying. Like, please wake me up. Wake me up. Move me. Wake me up. Wake me up. Move my arm. Move my arm. I've done it many times and that is the, that's the worst.
1: Yeah, no, like I've had it before where like, as soon as I can move again, I just like bolt up and like, I'm because I think that there's just like this immediate threat, you know? It's almost
0: like your spirit leaves your body and then you're like, well, I'm not dead yet. And then it comes back in and you're like, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. uh, So, uh, Along kind of similar lines, uh, do you have any like crazy uh, paranormal experiences? You know, in other uh, other walks of life.
0: No, I don't. I've I've I do and I don't. So, like, have I seen a ghost? Yeah, I think I did once when I was young, but I was actually on a ghost hunt. You know, and it was a known haunted place. So, I don't know. I feel like. Spirits have a way of using the little men in black stick where they go ding and like erase your memory, you know. Yeah. I, I I okay. I've been talking about a lot of synchronicities. I feel that that is paranormal. I think that that is that is the key there. That there are, there are so many ways that whatever forces are here that we can't see. They interact with our daily lives. And we seem to chalk these things up as circumstance or coincidence. And I believe that's the farthest thing from the truth. You know, I think that there are spirits out there that do that, I almost guardian angels in a way, but they do it in a way where they you know, where we can still have the human experience. They, they open our eyes to things. They don't, um, I mean, you ever like, you ever late for something and then realize that if you were on time, you would have gotten into the car accident that just happened in front of you, you know, Yeah. I, you know, there's a reason for that. You know, I, 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 I really think so. I think there's just so much and look, I, I, I've sat down with some of the top Paris, uh, paranormal people in the, in the, in the world, you know, and, and, um, parapsychologists and it's have intellectual conversations about a lot of this stuff. I, I research it on a daily basis and I'm just fascinated by it, especially like the metaphysical side of everything, you know? Um, I think that a lot of the, my girlfriend loves, any kind of ghost hunting television shows and stuff, but she's smart enough to also know what she doesn't like about them. And she's actually way more deep into that world than, than I am. And she actually has like somewhat, I'm not going to call. It, she's very career driven. Ah, no, I am not even gonna say that. She's very passionate about, about that stuff. You know, she takes it very seriously. Um, but a lot of those TV shows is just entertainment and like, it's way more focused on the guys, the guy in the black shirt doing it, you know, and less focused on what it should be, which are the people there that have actually experienced the stuff, you know, get them involved in these experiments, you know, because you're not going to go, okay, this place has been haunted for a thousand years, you know, and there's been a few accounts that are documented. We're going to go spend one night in there. It's like, (laughs) I think, I think it's the people, everybody has their own experience. People are the ones that trigger these kinds of things, right? Another thing about it is, is these, everybody's just all these, with all these gadgets that that everybody has now and stuff, it's like, everybody's trying to prove something. They want to have proof. And with all these television shows, it seems like every episode they find proof but still nobody, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. It's not solid enough proof, you know? So I don't think you need proof to believe in this stuff. I need, I think you just need to have your own experience with it. And that's what matters. That's way more meaningful than saying, Hey, I proved it. Okay. Yeah. Now what, what are you going to do with that? You know? So it's important to, it's just like anything in life. You're If you pay attention to the people that try and exploit stuff, you're going to, you're going to be way more of a skeptic, you know, like the same thing with ESP and psychical research and, and clairvoyancy. Like I totally believe in that stuff. And I think of, most of us have the, those abilities, you know, I just don't think we know enough about them, you know, um, but there's plenty of fucking fakes out there, you know, and all it takes is one for somebody to go, Oh, that's bullshit. That doesn't exist. Right. But at the same time, those same people every day they have feelings in their gut all day long they have these instincts that always prove to be right you know and they go against them all the time oh that can't be that can't be right because i thought of it and then they realize that they were right the whole time you know
1: yeah 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 i mean they uh they ultimately embrace uh being an outsider yeah well (laughs) you know Uh, we're (laughs) When I was a kid, I, um, my grandparents lived in this house where, uh, the woman who had owned it, I guess like 40 or 50 years before, uh, this was like the nineties and they'd been there for, I think like maybe 20 years, but there'd been this lady who owned it, you know, something like 30, 40 years before, uh, before then. So like maybe the last like person or two before them who owned it, she was buried in the cemetery at the church next door to the house. And I can remember when I was a kid, I'd be over there sometimes and like out of the corner of my eye, like out the window, I'd see this lady walking across the yard and I'd turn and look and she wouldn't be there anymore. It was just like, you know, I'd see like this little old lady like walking across there. And um, part of how she died was that she fell down the stairs into the basement. And every now and then around a certain time of year, you would kind of hear what sounded like a scream and like someone falling down the steps. and uh, there was never like any explanation for it. It was just like a thing that happened well, sometimes. You
0: pretty much did explain it. you know yeah. and why not be- why not believe that? I mean, it was a traumatic experience. You know, we're all made of energy, right And, and yeah. sometimes the, it's not like this lady's spirit is haunting that stairwell. It's energy it's a uh, something very powerful and energetic happen there it's a repeat of that like it's that energy lives in that spot you know yeah it's 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 a replay of it you know i've I've
1: told people the same thing before it's like we so like our bodies are constantly shedding like atoms or molecules or whatever right and so if we spend a lot of time in one place and we shed enough of them there like maybe like there is like replays of stuff that are just stuck there and like every now and then something just triggers it
0: that's such a great theory. That's really well articulated. That that's that. And see, so so we you might not be able to one hundred percent prove that right now, but you can't disprove it. So why would you not? Why would you not? At least open yourself up to the possibility of that. It 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 stands to reason that that could be very very possible. You know, uh, and that's that's the way that I hope people would would be. I'm not saying don't question things, but the problem with, with most skeptics is they just, they won't even entertain this stuff because they're already going into the conversation that that's not real. Yeah. And that's stupid. Like I, I want to be proved wrong about stuff that I feel that way about, you know, like open mind about this kind of stuff. And nobody has the, the, Th- those kinds of answers. So it's just stupid. And that's the whole scientific debate. That's just is so lame. But what is science? Science is questioning things and testing things. You have to test these theories over and over again. And some of the tests that they're doing these days with ESP research is just crazy. It's provable. You know, or like the many worlds theory, like the Schrodinger's cat experiment, um, you, the UFO thesis, um, you know, the stuff the Pentagon has, has revealed, there's been some disclosure. And whether it's flying saucers and little green men, it's something, whether it's that or not, it's something that they can't explain. So, what's that's 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 good enough for me, you know that that confirms something right it's something we can't can't explain and that's that's the wonder of the world
1: yeah you know i mean the idea that the universe is as big as it is and there's like nothing else out there is a lot harder to believe than the idea that you know there's aliens visiting us like i find the idea of aliens visiting us a lot easier to digest
0: i mean just look at ancient civilizations i mean what there's like something happened there there was some intelligence that was far beyond human or we were so advanced as a species it's just funny what's the things that are that are left from that we, we can't even make today you know um yeah uh yeah we're just a pale blue dot in the middle of an asteroid field
1: you know yeah I and mean, they find evidence all the time too that humans have been around a lot longer than we previously believed too like the, there's like evidence that the sphinx dates back way earlier than they thought that it did
0: you know what my theory is this is now this is my own individual theory so anybody could say i'm crazy and that's <laughs> fun. but i firmly believe that all of this has happened before okay like all of this has happened and whatever's going to happen in the future has already happened before and it just it it recycles itself you know over trillions and trillions gazillions of years or whatever you know like you know maybe like 10 trillion years ago like their rock and roll was invented you know and it wasn't elvis presley it was like don jones or something you know like (laughs) and like that whole kind of process happened and then the earth was extinct and then there was ice ages and then there was dinosaurs and then there was all this stuff you know like why not why not to
1: be fair to be totally fair um rock and roll was invented millions of years ago when guar first came to earth uh (laughs) before they were frozen in antarctica (laughs) (laughs) that is that is true that is true (laughs) I mean, you gotta, you gotta show some respect to uh, Earth's lords and masters. <laughs> they are the dogs of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've had you for uh, a little bit over an hour now. Uh, is there anything else you want to put out there? No. <laughs> <laughs> we covered a lot of ground. I feel like probably we, uh, we probably boring, didn't talk enough probably. about Outsider like we should. Have. This, is, this is probably the most boring
0: podcast you've ever done. I've <laughs> I've done I've done a hundred interviews about Outsider already in the last month, so that's fine. Uh, the information's out there. Um, uh, I'm sure this was much less entertaining than your uh, than your interview with DMC, but you know. Um, Yeah. I appreciate you having me on and just a message to anybody out there who's still tuned in. um, If you have a goal or you have a dream in this life, just, just do that. Whatever that is, just do it. It just, and you know, it just matters what matters about what you feel inside, be true to yourself and have conversations with yourself honestly. And don't, don't worry about if, if, Don't worry about what anybody else thinks because you don't need to have those conversations with them. You just need to have them with yourself. And whatever crazy shit you have on your mind, if it's if you're passionate about it, just get out there and do it. Life is too short. And you know, just become a uh enter become a spiritual memory and fall down some stairs after you die. (laughs) Dude, that's oh, and don't go to graveyards to ghost hunt. Don't go to graveyards. (laughs) don't they're not spooky the people they're dead there they're already there they don't want a fucking haunt they, they don't want to be there you know good don't they're not scary
1: yeah no what you just said is something that is almost exactly what i was telling a friend earlier is that like the quickest way to become unhappy is to live your life based on what other people's expectations for what you should want or should be are like you have to think of what's best for you because other people can't determine that. Like, it's, it's no, just going to no. immediately and, make you unhappy and unfulfilled. Right. And they don't care. And,
0: yeah. and uh, we, we always think that other people care so much or we're so, we have so much anxiety or we're so worried about what the, what other, other people think. They don't care. 80% of people don't care about your problems and the other 20% are secretly happy that you have them. So it's no, nobody fucking cares about you, you know? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> doesn't fucking matter what every anybody else thinks good way to end
1: it yeah thanks again for taking the time jarvis